Hello and thanks for joining us on Search for Truth. This is our fifth talk today in the series called Seven Ideas That Turn the World Upside Down. Or as Brian said a couple of weeks ago, turn the world the right way up. For Christianity has the means to right a world which has not only lost purpose and direction, but has totally reversed most of the God-given principles which ensure peace and harmony in our present turbulent world. Today, Brian will explore from the Bible how salvation is by God's grace, not by our own works. So, I hand over to Brian. Thanks, John. Through our high opinion of modern achievements, our society deceives us into thinking that we can do anything. Probably nothing did more to promote this illusion than Dale Carnegie's blockbuster book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was all about how to put the other person in a position where he or she cannot decently say no. From this, optimism spills over to the belief that we can even repair our relationship with God. After all, we've long since learned to split the atom and put a man on the moon. Just as the pagans long ago believed they could put their gods in a position of not being able to say no to them by means of offering them gifts and sacrifices, nowadays we think we can do the same by our church-going and good deeds. But the sober reality is that we simply cannot do anything to make ourselves acceptable to God. Regaining God's favour is something that's beyond our power, for the Bible declares, By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight. The Bible says, and again it's the Apostle Paul writing, this time in Ephesians 2 and 8, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. These verses tell us that our own good works cannot save us. This is because, the Bible adds, we are actually dead in God's sight, and that on account of our sins. That's why we can't even begin to hope that God will be pleased by our good works and let us into heaven. Now that's a truly radical idea, like the others we've been covering in this series, and this one certainly distinguishes Christianity from all religions. God's not asking us to do anything to merit salvation. He's simply inviting us to receive what he's already done for us in Christ, his Son, and full forgiveness will be ours. We do, however, need to be prepared to let God humble us and turn us from our hopeless and helpless position before him. Please allow me to illustrate how many people think, so that we can realise for ourselves how utterly hopeless belief in our own good deeds is. Let's imagine a dispute between neighbours, which comes before a local magistrate. One man is accused of stealing his neighbour's motorbike. This is what he says to the magistrate. I am here today to demand justice. I don't want mercy or compassion. I simply want justice. In connection with the theft of the motorbike, I admit that I did it. But there have been many other days when I did not steal his motorbike. I have even done some good things for him on a few occasions. So on that basis... I demand justice. I demand to be declared innocent and free to go. What do you think the magistrate will say? Will he be convinced? No, of course not. And neither will God be if we plead that our good works should cancel out our sins. Let me again try to illustrate why you might still find it hard to accept that salvation from future judgment and the forgiveness of sins isn't something that we can influence or contribute to. 
Vance Packard in his book, The Hidden Persuaders, a book I remember being asked to read at school. In that book, Vance Packard tells of homemakers' problems with cake mixes in the early days when such cake mixes first appeared. Cake mix packages would warn housewives not to add milk, but just add water. Some housewives would add milk anyway, as their own special contribution, and then they'd be disappointed when the cakes or muffins didn't turn out well. Some cake mixes would also prohibit adding eggs, since eggs and milk had already been added in dry form by the manufacturer. Obviously, some market research was needed to find out what was happening, why the product was not meeting with success. Women interviewed said, What sort of cake is it if you just need to add tap water? So the marketing needed to be changed. The mixes needed to tell the homemaker that she and the mix together could produce the cake. A white cake mix box now proclaimed, you add fresh eggs. The message was, you do have a contribution you can make. It seems to be in our nature to insist on making our own contribution, especially in spiritual matters. But God in his word has not changed his recipe for human salvation. The cake mix recipe might have changed away from water alone, but the unchanging word of God still says faith alone. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Acts 16 verse 31. Finally today, I want to share with you the true story of a pearl fisher. By the time the story takes place, he's an old man and he'd earned his living on the shore of the Indian Ocean by diving into the water and hopefully returning to the surface with an oyster between his teeth. When opened, the beautiful, shining pearl inside would bring him some money to live on when once it had been sold at the local market. It was to this same shoreline that a missionary by the name of David Morse came. He spoke earnestly to the old pearl fisher and the other fishermen about the Christian message of forgiveness. He told them how the Bible says everyone who comes to God in repentance and then receives his son Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour by faith, everyone like that is promised forgiveness. The old man, however, was not persuaded by the Christian message. He clung to his own religious ideas. In fact, he told the missionary that the Christian message seemed too simple a recipe for forgiveness. Perhaps I am too proud, he said, but I want to do something special to get a place in heaven. I intend to go on a pilgrimage to Delhi for my sins, and by doing that, I hope to earn God's mercy. No matter how often David Morse talked to him, the old diver simply couldn't understand the miracle of divine grace. David Morse tried time and time again to explain to the pearl diver that we can't in any way earn or merit God's grace towards us as sinners, but we can only accept it as his gift. Nevertheless, even though the fisherman was unpersuaded, the two of them, the missionary and the old pearl diver, became good friends. Then one day, the old fisherman came to see the missionary. He'd come to tell him that he was finally leaving to go on his pilgrimage to Delhi. He was being realistic when he told the missionary that he might never return. He was visiting him in order to hand over a little box. You're my best friend, he said, and I want you to have this. The missionary opened the box to see a very large pearl. I've kept this pearl for years, the diver explained. 
Now that I'm leaving for Delhi, perhaps never to return, I want to give it to my best friend, to you. Here you are. That pearl is perfect, he explained. The missionary was touched by his kindness, but politely declined. It was much too generous a gesture for the poor old man to make. The pearl diver looked hurt. The missionary tried a compromise. Looking up, he said, Well, my friend, let me buy this wonderful pearl. I'll give you a thousand dollars for it. The pearl diver shook his head. It's not for sale. It's for you, my friend. No, said David Morse, as much as I want the pearl, I cannot accept it. Maybe I'm too proud, but to accept it, just like that, seems too easy to me. I want to work or pay for it. Sahib, the diver replied in a severe tone while straightening up, this pearl is invaluable. It's priceless. Nobody in this world can pay what this pearl is worth to me. He then began to explain. I had a son, he said. He was also a diver. He was the best pearl diver along the Indian coast. He had the keenest eye, the longest breath. He could dive down to 30 metres, and he was the delight of my heart. He always dreamt of finding a pearl that was better than any that had ever been found before. One day he thought he'd found it, but the oyster was nearly inaccessible, deep down and well secured in a rocky crevice. Finally, he succeeded in getting it out and up to the surface. But he'd stayed under the water for too long. He'd strained his heart. Soon afterwards, sadly, he died. The old man bowed his head, and for a moment his whole body shook, but he made no sound. Now you see why this pearl is invaluable. It's priceless. Nobody in this world can pay what this pearl is worth to me. You do understand, don't you? My only son gave his life to get this pearl. I can't sell it. I can only give it as a present. Just accept it, please, as proof of our friendship. Holding back tears, the missionary replied, Don't you see? That is exactly like I've been telling you about God's gift of salvation. The diver gave the missionary a long, searching look, as he ever so slowly began to understand. The missionary continued, God is offering you salvation as a free gift, at no charge. It is so great and costly that no man would be able to pay for it. It cost God the life of his only son to open the door to heaven. Even by pilgrimages of thousands of miles, you could never earn God's grace. God's love and deliverance of sinners like you and me from the punishment which our sins truly deserve can only be accepted as a gift in faith and thankfulness. God deliberately gave up his only son to the terrible death of the cross. God's light entered the old pearl diver's heart. Now I understand, he said. Then he turned round and went away deep in thought. An hour later he came back and said, I don't want to wait any longer. I want to come to God right now, just as I am. I cannot earn God's mercy. The price is simply too great. As a lost person, I want to accept this love of God. Though it is beyond my understanding, I want to thank him and his son Jesus Christ for it. So, may we too understand the radical message of Christianity that acceptance is by grace, not works.
Thank you, Brian, for your talk. Now, you may find it helpful to explore these issues more thoroughly with the transcript booklet of all Brian's talks in this seven-part series. If you'd like one, then ask for the title Seven Ideas and make sure you let us have your postal address. You can also download our booklets via the internet or you can order by email. Uh, but first, I'll give you the postal address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And now here's our email address, sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, if you wish, you can download MP3s or podcasts of some past programmes. Uh, just go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk and uh, you can find additional helpful material there too. Now, some titles of Search for Truth booklets are also available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks. And just type Search for Truth series into the search box. So thanks for the pleasure of your company today. It's been great to have you with us. Uh, Please join us next week if you can. Until then, though, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician uh, David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. We drink the